Hello and welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. No guests this week. So you get me riffing uh, about whatever I want. I, uh, I sent out a Snapchat to a bunch of friends. I said, what should I riff on uh, for my radio show this week? And I got everything from conference realignment, which I will talk about. I'll give, it a little, give you a little conference realignment. I got cats. I got babies. I got... And then one person even asked me, can you help me start a podcast? Uh, so we're going to... I'm going to open up, and I want to address the Brittany Griner situation. So what a lot of people, uh, what uh, if you don't know who Brittany Griner is, uh, she's a very famous uh, WNBA women's basketball player uh, who is currently detained in Russia on drug charges that she has pleaded guilty to, but I'll get into why that uh, guilty plea is not the same in Russian court as it is in American court. Uh, Brittany Griner played at Baylor University. Uh, I got to watch her play at Baylor while I was at K-State. Uh, very talented player. Obviously, I mean, she can dunk, known for being able to dunk the ball. Uh, and uh, she has been detained in Russia since February on, uh, on drug charges. And uh, again, this is in a Russia that is currently at war with Ukraine. This is in a Russia that whose human rights record is appalling. Uh, on July 7th, uh, Griner pleaded guilty uh, to a drugs charge in Russian court on Thursday, but denied that she had intentionally broken the law. Uh, and I believe it was hash oil she was caught with. You got to remember, laws are different. Not everybody knows every single law in every single country in the world. I'm sure I would go to Russia and break laws, too, that I didn't know I was breaking. I'm sure every one of us breaks laws every single day to a degree. If you go two miles over the speed limit, you're breaking the law. So put down your hate for the black woman for a second if that's what you're thinking. Like, oh, she shouldn't have gone uh, into Russia at all. Well, she goes into Russia to play basketball because they pay her more over there than we do in America. Russia treats its treats female athletes better than freaking america in certain in certain instances so two on that uh the next court hearing for her is july 14th griner's lawyers told reporters they're hoping uh, for a lenient sentencing taking into account the nature of her case the insignificant amount of substance and history of positive contributions to russian sport uh, according to her attorneys uh, you know, she, Brittany essentially said in court that she committed the crime out of carelessness. Uh, she was getting ready to board a plane to Russia in a hurry, not intending to break Russian law. Uh, obviously a lot going on, uh, politically with this. Initially, the family of Brittany Griner wanted to keep it private as, you know, the, the mechanisms of the state department and any potential release back home. Uh, could work, but now they're being more public with their calls to try and get Brittany Griner free. Brittany Griner should be free. The U.S. State Department has ruled her as being unlawfully detained. Uh, I know, you know, there's a lot of uh, political maneuvering to try and get her free. There's been reports out there of prisoner exchanges. One tweet that caught my eye, though, and it was comments from her WNBA head coach says, uh, and let me pull out that, that coach's name real quick. 
Uh, this was in a story in the New York Post that I read uh, regarding the Brittany Griner situation. Um, as, as I pull up that name real quick, uh, the, the quote was, if, if LeBron James was detained in Russia, he'd be home by now. I agree. She's right. She's just right. And I think we need to come to grips with that. I think there's a lot of women in this country that feel the same way, whether it's about specifically the Brittany Griner situation or how they are treated in athletics as a whole. Um, I even go back to something that happened in the spring or at the end of the spring season, which was uh, the NGCW six softball tournament was played on an unsafe surface and the Oshawa County player tore her ankle on what essentially was a gap in the field between turf and grass. Uh, she tripped in the middle of a softball field that was a college tournament was supposed to be played on to determine who went to the national tournament. They played those games on that field. And the the base the corresponding baseball tournament was played at K-State. Well, I mean, what are we doing? There There is inequity. And this is another example of it. Uh, the coach's name uh, for the Phoenix Mercury, by the way, is Vanessa Nygaard. Uh, in the full quote is if it was LeBron, he'd be home, right? It's a statement about the value of women. It's a statement about the value of a black person. It's a statement about the value of a gay person. All of those things. We know it, so that's what hurts a little more. She's right. She's just right. Uh, and those are my thoughts on it. But now I, I kind of want to move on real quick to conference realignment. Uh, it looks like you know, what was it, a year or two ago, the Big 12 was in peril. And then all of a sudden, we got a few new teams committed to us. Cincinnati, Houston, UCF in that mix. I know there's another one that I'm forgetting right now. I believe it's SMU. Uh, but I might be wrong on that. But uh, now it looks like the Big 12 might inherit some Pac-12 teams. One thing I'm reading right now on Yahoo News is that uh, it, it might be that the Pac-12 and Big 12 are going to merge. Uh, here's something that I am reading in that, uh, from a report on Yahoo news and I'll read it verbatim. It goes at first, the Oregon ducks were going to be named. We're going to be among the teams likely to leave the PAC 12 and follow Los Angeles schools to the big 10 That's UCLA and USC. They're going to the big 10 over the past few days, though. It seems there's a better chance that the ducks either stand pat in the PAC 12 or merge with the ACC or big 12. How stupid would that be if Oregon goes to the ACC. Now, there's some old school traditionalists fans out there who will argue that, oh, this is just, it's all about them following the almighty dollar and, you know, college athletics are losing their value and blah, 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 blah. They're not totally wrong. Even the NFL, even every professional sport has divisions that are geographically based that creates rivalries that generate interest in the sport and generate meaning in the sport. Nobody cares when an around 500 West Virginia football team plays an around 500 Texas Tech team. Who cares? Who is emotionally invested in that game? The biggest games are always, you know, your Oklahoma, Texas, your, your, your Sunflower Showdown, Kansas and Kansas State. Imagine if KU and K-State were in different conferences. How devastating that would be to the rivalry. The KU-Missouri rivalry was so heated for so long, the, the border war, and it's essentially gone away because of 
conference re- it went away because of conference realignment when Missouri Missouri went to the SEC and that's a part of college athletics that I think is going to go away and while I don't think excitement for college athletics as a whole maybe the whole value of the equation isn't going to be changed much that is an aspect that I think hurts hurts it and one that I'm going to miss I mean Oregon belongs in the Pac-12 geographically but or I guess rather they belong in a conference of teams in that region of the country, so to speak. They belong in a team in a conference that's mostly made up of West Coast teams. Now, what I think this is, is obviously football is the biggest driver of all of this. The Pac-12 has struggled to get teams into the college football playoff. They've struggled to. Uh, game, they, they, I think them and honestly the Big 12 too have been uh, the two weakest participants in the college football playoff since its introduction. So they're trying to find ways to remedy that. And that comes down to the whole concept of the Power 5 conferences and you know high major, mid major, low major conferences. And uh, maybe we need to rethink how that stuff is governed. How that stuff is thought of. I, I've always thought to a degree, like I remember when UCF went undefeated and didn't get to play in a college football playoff. Well, why? They beat every team on their schedule. You can only play your schedule. It's not UCF's fault that LSU and, and Alabama didn't play them that year. I'm not saying there was an effort to be made to play those teams, but why shouldn't a team that wins every game on its schedule be allowed to continue a pursuit to a national championship? And I I think if you open the door for those possibilities for teams that do well in every conference, just make it, make it like high school sports where, you know, you're, there is no high school team in the country that would go undefeated in the regular season and be unable to, as long as they were in good standing, you know, you know, legally, legally speaking, so to speak, as long as they were following the rules, there is no team that would go undefeated in a regular season and not be allowed to compete for a state championship. Uh, and maybe we college athletics need to be governed in a similar way. And it's the same in the NFL and the NBA too. If you win, you know, teams that win games get to continue on. You get your fair. Everybody, every team in the NFL gets a fair shot. There's no team that wins a division in the NFL but misses out on the playoffs to uh, a, a 12 win, a 12 and five team. If you go undefeated in the regular season in the NFL, you're making the playoffs and you're probably and you're getting the top seed. No matter who you are, no matter what division you're in, no matter what conference you're in, if you go undefeated, you're going to be you're going to make the playoffs and have your fair shot. So why are college sports different? Why is there so much subjectivity? with the selection process for the postseason in college sports. And I think that is that's that has what's driven this conference realignment is to get more variables on your side of that subjective argument uh, to make to qualify for the postseason. And maybe that's what the NCAA needs to start addressing. Uh, we're gonna go to a quick break when we come back here more war room on the on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Uh, let's talk about some high school sports stuff now. 
a couple weeks ago, the NFHS had the National Federation of High School State of High School Associations. Uh, I know I got that wrong. I'm going to uh, pull up what uh, the National Federation of High School Associations. I think I might have got that right. Uh, but the NFHS, the National Governing Body of uh, High School Sports um, in America, uh, the uh, the big things that were kind of uh, hot ticket items um, at a nationwide call a couple weeks ago uh, was poor treatment of game officials scaring off people from working games, um, NIL from NCAA falling into high schools, uh, nine states already allowing athletes to cash in on endorsement opportunities, um, and they're celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX and how to get more females involved in coaching. Uh, so and I want to address those topics, and I'll give you, I'll give you the, the stats. I'll try, I'll try to present the facts and, and give my own take on it. Uh, obviously, you know, the treatment of officials and the official shortage in Kansas and nationwide is an ongoing issue. Um, in Kansas, uh, in 2011-2012, there were 2,121 officials registered. Um, and this is, I believe, sp- specifically for basketball. Uh, Ten years later, uh, so now there's 1,465 registered. So you're looking at about a 30% decrease there. That's significant. That's significant to lose about a third of your officials. Uh, Fran Martin, uh, uh, who works uh, for the, uh, Keisha, uh, she is, I believe, Keisha's head person on basketball um, and along uh, some other uh, roles in sports. Uh, but Fran Martin says the, the shortage of officials is, is statewide. Uh, you know, and this is a quote uh, from the Hillsboro Free Press. Quote, several years ago, from Fran Martin, quote, several years ago, it may have appeared that in metro areas we had more officials and could cover games. That is certainly not the case now. Southeast and Southwest Kansas really struggle to fill all the positions, particularly at the sub-varsity level. In some parts of the state, uh, there are officials, but the quality of officiating isn't where we would like it to be, mainly due to the lack of opportunity to train and get pushed into doing high-level games before they are prepared. That is, that's the first time I've heard anybody for Keisha go on record and say the quality of officiating isn't where we'd like it to be. I, I, I've said this on this show before. I believe there's two ty- There's officials fit into largely two categories. You have younger officials that uh, some are great, and this is not necessarily to say. I'm not going to speak to the quality of officiating here. I'm going to let people make their own determinations on that. But in terms of personality-wise, you have two camps. You have younger officials or newer officials who are very green and are probably working varsity games for the you know for the first, second, or third year, and that means they haven't had the same type of training as more veteran officials. Or, and those are a lot of people that are being scared off by how they're treated by. My coaches and fans. Uh, the second part, the second camp are veteran, veteran officials. The people that essentially won't go away, that don't care how they're treated. If anything, it feeds it feeds a, t- a type of ego that these officials have, and that creates its own set of problems. Uh, obviously. Um, officiating is has already led to cancellations of games and moving around schedules. Another quote from Martin in the Hillsborough Free Press. Another quote from Fran. Quote, schools need to realize they may not be able to play games on the days they traditionally play and adjust schedules. The start times of games is also an issue in some sports. Officials can't get off work to be at a site for a 3.30 or 4 p.m. start time. 
the lack of training for officials is another concern because of the official shortage. Many officials get put into games. They are not ready to work, have a bad experience, and then quit. In some cases, we have first-year officials with little experience officiating varsity contests. Why is the pool of officials declining? Another quote from Martin, quote, the reasons come up the most are poor working conditions, fan and coach abuse, poor pay, assigner politics, the good old boy system, and people would rather would rather use free time doing something else other than officiating. Uh, there's more to it than that, according to Martin. I'm essentially just reading the Hillsborough Free Press report on this. Um, another quote from Martin, social media has made it so that every call is scrutinized and criticized. Fans at games use their phone to film contests and put clips they feel are not handled correctly up on social media almost immediately. The comments on some of those posts are very demeaning. Officials don't feel appreciated and respected by coaches, players, and fans, and therefore choose not to put themselves on the court field in this negative environment. Uh, Fran Martin says the worst shortage in Kansas is in soccer, baseball, softball, wrestling, and volleyball. Martin says there are more registered officials in basketball and football, but there are also more contests any given night. Uh, quote, the number of teams playing has continued to increase, but the number of officials has not. Uh, we've had a lot of baseball and softball games being played this year with one umpire. That's not good enough. That That's crap. That's, that is, uh, and what I mean by crap is, it's crap that you have high school varsity baseball and softball games this year. Uh, and I bet you almost certainly it's disproportionately affecting softball. Without knowing the data, I bet you that's the case. Uh, we had a lot of baseball and softball games played this year with one umpire. Fran Martin says that's, that's not acceptable. Um, uh, Fran says, quote, I believe camps and clinics we offer help officials tremendously. Those who have attended have moved up the ranks a little faster just because of better preparation and observation by assigners. Um, it's it, so obviously, I believe, uh, you know, if you want, you should register to be an official. Uh, I believe there need to be better steps taken to protect officials from abuse. I believe coaches and fans can be better. I'm guilty of putting controversial calls on social media, uh, but that's my job. I believe officials, officials, all everybody needs to develop thicker skin to a degree too. And I'm not saying that justifies the straight up abuse that officials have. I always think back to the two weeks in 2020 and during the 2020, 2021 season in the winter, it was the end of 2020. The two weeks that Keisha barred fans from attending games and uh, due to the pandemic. And there wasn't one controversial call. There wasn't one official that had a bad experience. If anything, every official I talked to at that point said this is the best it's ever been. And what a shame that is that the best it's ever been is when the fans are taken out of the equation. And I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm not a huge fan of fans either. Like, my, the joke I always say is, I don't care if those people yell and scream and holler and make, and make fools of themselves. I care that they're wrong. That wasn't over the back. That was a charge. That was uh, passing. That was holding. <laughs> and, like, one thing that always gets me is every football game, there's always somebody yelling that the center's moving the ball when he picks it up, when he grabs it. You're allowed to get a grip on the ball to snap it. So, like, I just... I, can refs develop thicker skin? Yes. Do fans need to be better? Absolutely. And that is the driving force. We'll, we'll work on ref behavior when, when fans get their act together. 
another issue affecting high school sports uh, is obviously the introduction of name, image, and likeness opportunities. Uh, it, it is this is an interesting one to me uh, because uh, obviously is the is the infrastructure going to be robust for high school athletes to uh, promote themselves and earn you know bugo dollars uh, as on their name, image, and likeness as a high school athlete outside of the Bronny Jameses of the world, probably not. But uh, this is a statement uh, from. Uh, the head of the NFHS, uh, who says, quote, uh, we realize the ability in a handful of cases to be recognized for athletes to be recognized for their athletic prowess. That can be a nice opportunity for a young person. We're very clear that we believe high school student athlete should not be able to benefit as a professional for something that they don't own. And that would be their high school jersey, the high school uniform. While we recognize that high school age student athletes have an ability to benefit from name, image, and likeness through contact, contract relationships with a fiduciary, we are very clear that we do not support the situation that would involve another state association school and their student athletes entering into a professionally paid contract while representing that member school. We know there are private schools outside of NFHS membership where heavy duty recruiting really active, uh, really activates negotiations with contract agents are taking place. Uh, there are 51 NFHS state association memberships, nine states, California, Utah, Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, Louisiana, New York, New Jersey, and Alaska. So Kansas is on the list. Allow NIL in high schools. Uh, right, quote from the NFHS head. Right now, there are state association regulations and bylaws are holding firm that no student athlete at a member school can become a professional paid student athlete by virtue of their identity as a student athlete at their schools. We want to make it very clear about where NFHS stands on that. We hope that our position holds because we really believe that the purpose of high school athletics and performing arts is not to develop professional athletes. It's to develop kids. It's to develop life skills. It's to develop relationships. And the high school locker room is arguably the last sort of pure bastion of amateurism within an education-based setting that's supportive and thorough. We want to protect that. I hate that. I hate that whole crap. That's all, that's all linguistic. It's all, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all PR speak. And I'll tell you what I hate the most uh, from that statement from the head of the NFHS. It's that, it, going back to the saying, we don't believe a high school student athlete should be able to benefit as a professional for something they don't own. And that would be the high school jersey, the high school uniform. If you go to a public school, that jersey was paid for. Your 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 everything. That school is funded by tax dollars. Your tax dollars. If you go to a private school, that school is funded by your tuition. You have a right to that jersey. And so many young people these days have the capability to become influencers and content creators and be able to make money off their stories. Why can that not be part of the development that? High, that high school athletics and activities provide, you know, the NFHS, you know, talks about developing kids. Why cannot that not that not be a part of the development process? Why could why can't Anna Dean, when she was tearing it up at Labette County Volleyball, why couldn't Jock Snitch pay her to promote some volleyball products here in town? Why would that not be beneficial to her development? And integration into the community and be a positive relationship 
between the community and the school and her. And that's just a hypothetical, by the way. By the way, I have no idea if, I, if the Dean family or Anna Dean were upset that they couldn't benefit off an owl. That's just a hypothetical. That should be allowed. And I believe, and I'll also say that even at the college level, I think, I think this community has fallen short. Why aren't some of the LCC athletes, uh, why doesn't Jock Snitch or Bleacher Gear or, or, or any local business, uh, you know, take advantage of those opportunities with NIL? I, I think the opportunity is there, and I think this community is falling a little short on it. Uh, that'll do it here for the War Room this week. I'm your host, Sean Fry. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, I'll have a guest this time. Uh, and uh, you won't have to just hear me ramble on uh, f- uninterrupted, and you'll actually enjoy the show. Uh, everybody, have a safe and blessed day, uh, and that'll do it. <laughs>